0: big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles and we are so glad that you're here. Hmm, hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose.
1: and I'm, I'm Lael Stone.
0: And today's podcast is called Teenage Edges, and it's all about teenage edges, not only for the teenagers in our lives, but also for us in relation to the teenagers in our lives. <laughs> Leil, over to you.
1: <laughs> uh, I think this is, I mean, we talk a lot about little people and we do have... Um... You know, we have quite a lot of listeners who often, you know, write in and say, "I'd love to know a little bit more about that tween and teenage years." And also for those who do have young children, this may be something to keep in the back of your mind as your kids do get bigger. And and you know, the principles of aware parenting, you know, I think they don't change. They're they're all the same, which is what we're going to talk about today. But. They have just, I think, different nuances and they call for different stuff from us as our kids grow. So obviously in those little years with babies or toddlers, you know, it is a lot around listening to big feelings and power reversal games and all that kind of stuff that we can do to um, foster connection, cooperation, to um, help our children release stresses and tensions and fears and all that kind of gorgeous stuff and the same thing still applies to kids when they're in school age you know and when they're teenagers it just may look a little bit different so we're going to talk a, a little bit about that today and i also think too this feels a poignant time to talk about it for both Marion and i because we have teenagers and our teenagers are moving into different spaces they are pushing up against different edges and of course it um, brings up stuff for us and uh, I I mean you know so much of what we love about it we're parenting is looking at what our children are saying what they're needing and then also what comes up for us in our own healing story and journey and I just feel like my journey with my beautiful three teenagers has just (laughs) been the most extraordinary therapy and the most incredible unveiling of so many of my stories and uh, edges let's say Um, through just parenting them and I think there's such richness in it and you know I I know I've shared in other podcasts before I feel so passionate about teenagers I love teenagers so much I I feel privileged to work with them I just I, I mean I adore my teenagers but I love their friends that come over because I feel like they are quite a misunderstood group of people often and um, I think there is so much richness in there and I think we can just foster so much magnificence from our teenagers when we give them space and the holding to do it and I feel like teenagers are our future and I think this is why we need to be more aware of how we how we turn up for them because I think they are the ones that are going to make big changes on the planet which is what we need at this time.
0: Mm, we so do don't we? Uh, Lal you were just helping me just before weren't you just before we started pressing record on this exact topic (laughs) I always think Lal is such a such a font of wisdom around teens and our own journey around being with our teens so thank you so much lovely and
1: And I mean just even simply we were just talking about you know where Marion was at and I was sharing where I've been up to my teenagers and I mean, one of the big questions I always come back to whenever at any age with our kids, but particularly teenagers, I think, because we remember a lot more often when we might work with a parent and we say, you know, can you remember what it was like when you were three, when you were six? A lot of people don't have any memory of what that was like, but we often have much clearer memories of what it was like when we were teenagers. And and those feelings are often a lot closer to us to access around where we didn't get our needs met or feeling misunderstood or just not knowing where we belong. And I, and I just said to you, Mary, where were you when you were 18? <laughs> you
0: were like, oh. <laughs> yes. Getting drunk, wearing high heels. <laughs> and interestingly enough, when I was thinking about a podcast and I'm so happy when I think about my 18 year old daughter and 13 year old son, I think that all the things that I, that I did that I'm so glad that my daughter doesn't do, (laughs) just going out, getting drunk and wearing high heels. And my son is connected with his feelings at 13, really happy, nearly 14, really happy to be, to cry and to tell, tell me when he feels sad and all of that. But I was thinking as well, one of the other things I was thinking when we were preparing for this over the last few days is, um, exactly as you said how i find so sad in our culture that teenagers it's like um toddlers as well isn't it teens and toddlers often seen in our cultures so so maligned and seen through a really harsh lens and i was thinking the way i see it, it's more like the it's, it's so much cultural some of the things that we see so much through the through the cultural lens again coming back to and really having such compassion for such a big time. Both of those times in life, there's so much about, exactly as you say, individuation and connecting more and more with who they really are and, and how hard that can be.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of those elements from society, you know, when we, we stand back, and I know you love looking at a big picture, what well, we're often asking ourselves <laughs> do is, um, is to conform like well we're the same uniform all do these subjects all do these things with a bit of variation but to still conform to this idea of being a good studious teenager and you know teenagers are all about finding who they are finding the edges they go to you know even if you look at We've talked about this in another podcast. Just the way their brain develops when they're teenagers are all around finding greater risk, getting greater dopamine releases in their bodies, around thinking outside of the box, around looking for connection, but in a different way, of really asking that question, who am I outside of my family? So they do need to step outside of that box to figure out who they actually are. But when they don't feel like they are allowed to step out of that side of that box, there again becomes that. That same disconnection and rub that often happens when kids are really little, when they're having big feelings and expressing them, and someone's telling them to stop it or shutting them down, or telling them they're wrong. That great divide happens where they're like, "But this is how I'm feeling," and I'm telling, and I'm being told that that's not okay. And similarly with teenagers, it can be like, "Well, this is who I think I want to be, or this is what I want to try out," and then the messages they're getting back, but that's not okay because you have to fit into this box. And I think there is so much richness when we give our teenagers more opportunity to express who they are, how they feel, what they really think. But often a lot of teenagers are too frightened to do that. A, because they may have been brought up in an environment that says that's not allowed. And B, there is, you know, our society and culture doesn't necessarily welcome that. What, you know, what unique richness do you bring to the world and what have you got to share? And, you know, I, I think sometimes when I'm looking at parents I'm working with around teenagers, And a lot of the resistance that comes up for parents is around, you know, they won't clean their room. They won't do what I'm asking to. They don't want to go to school. The stuff where children, I think teenagers are naturally going, well, yeah, that's not my priority, much like a three-year-old doesn't want to pick up their toys, a 13-year-old doesn't want to do the dishes. And part of it is going, well, how can I help you still contribute to our family because this is what our family values are and how can I help you get your needs met so we can still do what, life may be asking of us so there is still sometimes those bridges that our teenagers need just as much as what our toddlers need as well and that's what I've definitely experienced
0: yes Lel, carry on (laughs) <laughs> it might be you talking a lot today as i did say at the beginning yes yes although i do remember i read a really do you remember um oh what was it called the magical child joseph chilton pierce and i, I really remember reading his book about teenagers and i think you yeah, know i need to get that out again About really also that that the bigger picture because you know i do like bringing that in is so much about purpose and connecting with meaning and purpose and why am I here and what am I here for and exactly as you were saying and so often that's you know if we think about our own journey as parents often aware parenting invites us to do that like where do I sit in relation to my culture if we're uh, aiming to parent in a really different way from the mainstream paradigm which which we are in aware parenting it's seeing that our, that our teenagers are doing something similar in some way because they're being invited to um to connect with those big questions in life like who am i and why am i here and those are really big questions to be grappling with at any stage of life and they let alone as a teenager in perhaps um places where that isn't so much supported or or understood that those are the kinds of things that they Mm -hmm. thinking of and particularly at these present times that we're living through like even more so like you know how can I make a difference what's what's the future I mean it's just massive really to be a teenager living these times
1: and I know we've touched on this before but being a teenager in this time where there is the internet where there is Instagram where there is Snapchat where there is TikTok where we have the opportunity to compare ourselves to the rest of the world which is quite different to us when we didn't have the internet, there is a whole lot of pressure that goes with it. There's a whole lot of, um, I think, integration we're not even aware of yet and won't understand for another 20, 30 years of what it was like being raised in those cultural ways. But I still come back to going, all right, two questions that I would ask, you know, for us when we look at the edges that, that can come up for us as a parent in raising teenagers, I always come back to, okay, well, what's the biggest fear here? What are we frightened of that may happen? And, and, of course, for many parents, it's that my child will get hurt or they'll do something really stupid or that they'll get into the trouble or they'll take too many risks, all those kind of things, which is all quite possible. <laughs> I think having three teenagers, one who is quite the daredevil and goes, there's an edge, I'm going to jump off it. Um, i bless blessed my beautiful son, who's now 20, who has stepped back from the edge, but for a few years there, God, he was asking of me to trust so deeply because he's always the type of kid that goes, if there's something to try, I'm going to try it because that is who his nature is. And it's who he, I can see in his absolute spirit, um, what his gift is going to be to the world is to try stuff, taking the information, come back and go, all right, well, how could we do that better? Or what, what imprint does that have? And I love that about him because there's almost a fearlessness in him to go, let's just try it. And then the middle child who's way more tentative and he's not going to sit on those edges, but she's going to go deep, down into the emotional feeling of stuff and so I've watched what she's actually asked from me to really sit in these deep deep places with her when she goes into um, these deeper emotional feelings as a teenager she's experienced death with some of her friends who've died which has been huge you know at any point but also when you're a teenager she's had issues around schooling and not fitting into where that schooling is you know so there's been some big themes that we've worked through over the last few years as she's moved into those deep edges, which is of cold from me, I think the same sense of trust that I've had to trust my son Kai with of going out and trusting, you know, still creating boundaries, but really trusting that he will know where his center is and he always, always come back to his center. And the same with my daughter to sit in, you know, really grapple with my own fears. What am I scared of? Well, I'm scared that her mental health is gonna get really wobbly because. You know, these big themes have come up and they're huge for someone at 14 and 15 to deal with. And it's asked me again to go, Well, what's your fear here? And I've had to, with those conversations, keep coming back to, Well, my fear is something's going to happen to Kai. Okay, so what can I do with that? Well, I can't protect him from life. So I can just keep, you know, holding him in trust. I can let him know that we are always a safe place to come. We can create boundaries that feel good for both of us. And then I have to choose to see him aligned with the greatness of who he is because that's all I could do because the fear was too crippling. I tried the fear for a while and it just made me feel really sick. So I thought I had to try the opposite. And then the same with my daughter. I think I've had to really work on those skills of being able to sit in the uncomfortable particularly when she sit she sat in places that have felt deeply emotional and deeply uncomfortable and when every part of me wanted to just fix it wanted to take her to a therapist wanted to do some more aware parenting on her i've had to just sit in a place to say well and here's my next question what did i need when i was a teenager So can I offer that to my daughter? And so that would be my second question I'd always pose to parents: What's your big fear, and what do you think you need it? And for me, in both those times, um, you know, my my son is a lot more like my husband, and he was a total daredevil when he was a teenager. I mean, his stories. Do you know what's pretty rich too? Is you when your kids get old enough, when they ask you the questions, what are the stupidest things you've done? And when you feel like it's actually appropriate to tell them, God, they're funny conversations. (laughs) We've had many beautiful, candid conversations around what was the stupidest thing you did? What did you get caught for? And my husband looks at me, I'm like, oh, you've got to tell him. You've got to tell Doozies, <laughs> And the kids love it and they'll be laughing and they'll be like, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, yeah, like we, we all have done stupid stuff sometimes because we're, we're learning about who we are. And, and so um, I, I think within that my husband has been able to wrangle or, or we've been able to have conversations of I've said to him what, you know, when you were doing these things, what did you really want from your parents? And he was really able to go, I wanted them to trust me. I wanted them to, I wanted to come to them and say, this is what I'm doing or that's what I've done and that's safe. And so we really made that really clear with our son that we could do that. And then I guess the emotional parts for my daughter, she's a lot more like me. You know, I also felt very deeply as a teenager. And if I look back at my teenage years, he was full of a lot of angst around, knowing there was a bigger purpose in life, but I didn't know what that was and wanting to belong and and am I pretty enough and all the stuff that we often go through. And I felt like I just suffered with that myself. I never really shared that with anyone. And I certainly didn't take it to my parents because I didn't feel, I felt like I was going to be judged or I felt like they wouldn't understand it. So to be able to go, okay, well, what what did I need and what could I offer to my daughter, which was just complete acceptance of where she is is where she is. And I'm here for her no matter what. And I feel so grateful to her because I could almost start crying. She has taught me so much about sitting in the uncomfortable and witnessing that and bringing the love to say, I see that you can move past this and I see that um, who you are is magnificent and even though it's uncomfortable, I- I'm going to sit here with you and hold your hand because I believe that you'll find a way through and because, I mean, these tears here for me because I think that's what I wanted. But I also see the gift that she's allowed me to experience that. And then what that's done for her then is help her find her truth and find her way through that. And there's still times that feel wobbly, but she says to me often at 17, you and dad are my safest place. And there's nothing that's too big that I don't feel like I can bring you. And even though sometimes I don't want to talk to you, I want to talk to my friends. I just know that that's where I can come. And um, for me, I just feel, okay, no matter how rocky whatever goes on, that that is there. And I think that's where I love aware parenting so much because it's not about raising your kids in this way so that they never have. Hard times, or they never have stuff they can't process. They need to have the hard times. There needs to be stuff sometimes they have to rub up against because that's how we build. Like we talked in that beautiful resilience podcast, it's how we build resilience to feel the hard stuff, sit in it, and know that we can move it. But what aware parenting does is say, "Hey, I'm here to hold your hand if you need." And um, and I see that the, the absolute gift in that. It's not about raising children who aren't going to be able to. who who don't feel hard stuff, but it's raising kids who say, this is hard and what do I need to lean into to guide me, to help me, and knowing that I have the tools to move through it. I think that's where I see the absolute beauty.
0: Oh, so touched,
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just going to say, my third child who's 12, you know, and really she often, we joke, she acts like she's 17. (laughs) I figured out exactly what that story's going to be, but she's getting there. (laughs) So, no, I just, I feel nothing but gratitude in being able to raise teenagers because not only what it's helped me see and helped me heal, but how much it makes me grow as a human by sitting in these edges with them.
0: Oh, wow, well, I'm so touched. It's, a day, it's the day of tears, of joy as, <laughs> in the way, isn't it? Because as you're speaking, I'm thinking, oh, going back to how teenagers are so maligned. Imagine if, if, if everyone in the world had a more... <laughs> at a perspective like this what a different world we would live in to really see these amazing beings i mean they're at such an important time of their lives aren't they and to really see them see Mm -hmm. them and and behind you know if there are slamming of doors or whatever it is that's going on but still to see them and see their beauty and see the the you know all that they're going through it's a massive thing isn't it becoming a becoming an adult from a child as a human it's a really big thing it's tricky it's not easy
1: and I think even for those parents you know and I, I know this a lot of the fears and having worked with teenagers you know for the parents is that they're going to take drugs they're going to drink and all those things are are exactly what teenagers are you know, lined up to do on many levels because it's the ultimate control pattern or repression mechanism, you know, when they get old enough and they're out there, you know, with their friends and we might not know exactly where they are. You know, there's all these things that there's like, oh, new discovery, new pieces. And of course that brings up a lot of fear for us of like, I don't want them drinking and I don't want them taking drugs. Of course we don't because we we, we want them to be, you know, centred and connected to who they are. But sometimes they might do those things and that is going to bring up, our our, you know wobbly bits for sure and you know for me I think in having many conversations around that with my kids I've always said to them look I totally get that you might be curious to do that of of course you would be curious as people talk about it and and sometimes it feels really good to not want to feel what we're feeling but my biggest concern is if you want to do it all the time because then I'm like what are we what are we not dealing with what are we hiding from where are we checking out and that's been a conversation we've had many 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 times That has been really profound because I think it's also helped them see their friends that do do it a lot or when they've been witness to that, they can say, you know, they do not want to deal with stuff. I can see why they do that. It gives them a whole different perspective. And I think that's been really brilliant to have very open conversations around that with our kids as to the why. And that's the same with things like sex and sexuality as well. You know, why do people behave in certain ways? You know, how do they express that instead of judgment? Maybe we go, well, what's, what, what do you think is going on for them in that to help bring some more awareness? Because, God, I wish I had have had those conversations when I was a teenager <laughs> around drugs, around sex, around relationships. It would have given me so much more insight. And I may still have done the stupid things <laughs> I did, but... I look back and think those pieces of information would have changed a lot for me, for sure. And to open up conversations like that with our teens—and these are not conversations you have when your kids are fifteen—like these are conversations we start to have when our kids are moving into those tween years. Um, to just normalise the conversations, to know that they're really safe topics
0: to talk about, I think. I think you're amazing, now. <laughs> Thank
1: you. I love teenagers. I love it. I, I, you know, I just uh, feel like I've been doing a PhD in um, <laughs> emotional awareness through raising kids. It's just it's the next bit. You know, the other thing I'd love to talk about too is that, um, and another theme I see that comes up strongly is really trusting their story that is going to be different to ours because it's so um, easy to be like, this is what I think it should look like. And particularly if I guess we haven't done a lot of our own processing and work around expectations that may have been put on us when we were kids, um, you know, that we feel that we still are carrying through or it must look a certain way. Our teenagers will often bring that up to us in a big way if they feel like there's these big expectations about who they should be. And I think that's another really core piece as a parent to lean into as to what expectations am I putting on my children, even completely Consciously, subtly, that we don't even realise a lot of the time, and I think really embracing that their stories are completely different to ours, and their job is not to make us happy, and it's not to get good marks because we'll be proud. It's not to do any of that. It's for them to find who they are and live their most magnificent version of their life. You know that for me again, I think is is a really beautiful edge to lean into too that can rise for parents.
0: Mm, I love what you're saying there, Leo. in particular, it's a really big thing, isn't it? To, to do whatever we can to make sure we're not trying to get our needs met through them. <laughs> that might be, uh, you know, encouraging them to do something that they actually you know, following a life direction. That is, that is something that we wanted <laughs> or we want for them, that, but actually is not what they really want in their, in their hearts. So I think that's such a key thing, isn't it? For teenagers, for them to really be supported in, following their unique callings and their preferences and their interests, not doing what, they, what we think they should do.
1: Which can be sometimes so too, too, you know, if they've shown a love for a certain sport or they're doing something and then it's really common at 16, 17 to go, no, I don't want to do it anymore. And we can be like, but no! <laughs> Because one thing is a piano, you're really good at it, and that can feel so hard as a parent to watch them. Like, because I mean, my husband and I talk about this all the time. We, my daughter, the other day, we're sitting in our bed at like midnight wanting to have this great chat. And both of us were like, oh my God, we're so tired. But we're like, no, no, let's have this opportunity now. You know, when she was just so chatty and she's like, she had this app and she's like, let me ask you all these questions so I can find out more about you. And I was like, okay, so she was asking these questions. Like, you know, when was your first kiss? And, um, you know, what was one thing you regret? Like just really funny, great questions. And so she was asking, you know, what is it that you regret? And for my husband, he definitely said, I gave up soccer. And he said, because now, you know, at 48, I wish I could still play the way that I did, which, you know, doesn't happen because you get older and we get slower. But he said... what happened for me when I was seventeen is I was on the brink of being really great and then I got super scared and so I gave it up because I felt the pressure was too much. And he acknowledges that some of that pressure came through his dad, even though his dad was like, you know, you don't have to play. There were still elements there for him. And so he was saying to my daughter, I, I wish I hadn't have given it up. And um she was like, Well, you know, but don't you think at the time that there were other things that you needed to explore? Like you can look back and say that now, but surely there were other things that you needed to do at that time that created space for that. And I was like, oh, some good wisdom in there. <laughs> 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 uh, but with, even within that, he was saying, yeah, it's funny, you know, we, we can be adults and look back and think I wish it was this. And, and of course, our son played soccer for a long time and at the same age decided to give it up. <laughs> there's a lot of processing going on there. <laughs> but my son, when I say to him, how do you feel about it? And he goes, no, nah. he goes, you know, that pressurised situation of professional sport was not for me. He said, I, want to do it because I love it and I still do it now because I love it. But there's other things I want to do. And what's interesting was when I was looking at the contrast of that, I think my husband has often said, I haven't really fulfilled the things in my life that have really lit me up because I felt too scared, which was part of his story. And yet I see my son where there's freedom to be who he needs to be. He jumps into whatever he is and goes, I'm going to give that a go. And it feels, it feels amazing. Okay, now I've done that. I'm going to move on to the next thing without holding on to those regrets. I don't know, different nuances within it. But I think that's a very interesting thread to to look at is, you know, what – Are our children's story and what are our stories, and do we even subtly, you know, place that on top of them?
0: Oh, I'm loving listening to you. (laughs) Thank you. Mm. Such gorgeous wisdom and love Mm. in combination. Mm.
1: And I think also too. I mean, if I'm thinking about one of of the greatest gifts they've taught me is that, and this is all children. I think this is not just teenagers, but they're going to do it when they're ready. They're going to do it in their own time and again they're totally asking for acceptance and for me the way I say it is trusting their story and their journey for when they are ready and that's from everything to schooling I'll say to cleaning their rooms because I <laughs> one child who loves organisation and clean and then the other one who just if you could say it, it was like a mountain of clothes we often joke about. And I was walking and go, I'm going to lay on the mountain of clothes. And she laughs and she's like, it's just how I like it, right? And she's like, when I'm ready, I'll clean it up. And she's right. When she's ready, she's going to clean it up. I have such a need for her to clean it up because I like order and organisation, but that's not hers. And so I take a deep breath and go, yep, this is your room. This is your space. These are your clothes. You have to say of what that looks like. So from their room, cleaning their rooms to to moving when they're ready, even doing the emotional work, even, you know, particularly with my daughter, there's been times where I was like, do you want to get some help with some other stuff here emotionally? And she'll be like, nah, 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 even though I'm like, oh, my God, I can see that this would really help you. And then a few weeks later she's like, okay, I'm ready now. And I go, oh, okay, Lael, come on, remember this. It's when they're farming sometimes and, you know, that, again, they're asking for us. And that's the same with little people as well. You know, we can that they need to shift and move but a lot of the time it has to be when they're ready as well and it's teaching us that trust and patience are coming back to again that centeredness of you know trust always always
0: mm-hmm. that
1: sound really simple and easy don't we
0: just trust <laughs> trust trust <laughs> I was even thinking on no, it was simple level like um my son really never really liked reading books when he was little. He liked being read to. He's a very fluent reader and and speller and all the things, but he didn't really like reading books. And suddenly he just his um, other siblings have been, been doing challenges. And for a few weeks it was learned Japanese and challenging him to read Harry Potter. So he's been spending hours reading Harry Potter and love seeing him down there this morning, down at my mum's place, just... Just reading in the in the comfy chair, and it's just that like really trusting. <laughs> and I really knew that from a homeschooling perspective. I'd heard so many stories. Yeah, they, they may he may never ever enjoy reading book, books, or maybe one day at nearly fourteen, he might suddenly decide he really loves them. So interesting, isn't it, to really to see that? And again, that they may that these things ebb and flow. <laughs> Whatever it is that they're interested in, we it's that's their. I mean, that's their life, isn't it? It's it's not up to us. It's like their room or their hairstyle or all the things. And again, I really remember that very early on. Do you remember? I remember reading in Aletha's books about, you know, children getting to, and young people getting to choose what happens in their room with their, you know, with their bodies, with their hairstyles and all those things. It's like, no, it's not, they're not our choices. They're their choices.
1: And I think when we're looking at raising teenagers, To come back to that really simple question again of well, how do I want my teenager to feel? Like how do I want them to feel in relationship to me, to our family? You know, what's really important for me here? And for me it's always been I want them to know that we are the safe place and you know they are free to be who they need to be and that we are the safe place for them to lean into when they need to. So everything has always had to come from that for me and and you know there's been tricky times I've shared this in other podcasts where things have popped up and I'm like wow I really feel equipped to handle this and then I've had to have like a pause and my husband will go and sit down I'll go okay what what would what would we do what would our parenting say we do and we're like we don't know (laughs) where we'd go I always come back to what would connection look like here okay well connection would look like let's go out and talk about what happened let's hear about what it's like for them Let's hold a space of um, safety and then let's navigate together. Do we need a boundary around this? Is there going to need to be repair around this? Like what do we need to look at? And um, and many times when we haven't known, we've really had to do our kind of debriefing first of what are we feeling? What's going on for us? What's this pushing up? What do we need to look at? And then go back and talk to our kids, which is what you can do with teenagers. Not so, not so easy with toddlers sometimes because, you know, right in the moment they usually need you. But, you know, that's been such a beautiful thing to do too. When something big has gone on, I've actually said to my kids, look, I am going to just take a moment and I'm going to come back and talk to you soon. And that's where I've gone and rung a friend or I've had to really sit with what is happening for me here. What do I want out of, you know, what do I want this situation to look like in the sense of how we might move forward with this and have taken that time first to do my work so then I can come back and then come back with as much calm and anchoredness as possible to hold a safe space to then navigate it moving forward. So that, you know, and that you can do that, especially if things get heated with teenagers and there's yelling and there's arguing. I always say to parents, this is, you need to take a time out, you need to take a breath and say, I'm going to come back in a bit, you know, to diffuse the situation because nothing ever great happens when we're both yelling at each other. So if you can go back and, and be the parent and find the calm, do what you need to and then come back to your teenager, then there's so much more possibility for growth and healing and, you know, understanding for both of you. So, you know, that, those simple tools sometimes of taking a breath and really looking at where you sit first before you respond can be um, so beneficial for your kids.
0: Mm, such a big yes.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. So, I think, you know, look, we just wanted to do this little podcast because I have had a few parents who have teenagers that I've been working with at the moment going, well, How do we do it? And I go, There is no rule book in this. There's a lot of advice out there on doing stuff. And, and I'm not big on, oh, well, not just me, but you, Marion, as well, and aware parenting. We are not definitely not. Um, advocates of punishments and rewards to get our teenagers to do stuff. I think when we're resulting to that, I think we've missed a whole piece. So it really requires of you, I think, to raise teenagers with that connection requires you to look at your story, to do your work, to really look at what's surfacing for you and really to see your child as a unique, incredible spirit. And what are they asking from me in these situations and how can we support that? I think that is your guide, for raising teenagers, there's a lot more that goes with that. But that is a really beautiful foundation place to start.
0: Mm, thank you, Lale Really yeah. so appreciate you.
1: Mm, thanks, honey. Well, I hope that's given for any of you who've got teenagers, maybe in 10 years' time, you can remember this in the back of your mind or for those that are looking at those next beautiful steps into those tween years where our kids start to back a beard and we start to see different stuff. You know, I hope it's given you a little bit of um hope maybe (laughs) if you're feeling you're dreading what's going on or just yeah some some basics to remember that this this beautiful picture of raising teenagers can be so rich and I think for me I always wanted these teenage years to be just I never believed it was going to be one of slam doors and screaming I hate you I just refused to believe that that's how it needed to be and um and I thought well Let's do some work to make sure that it isn't that and that we can then create these beautiful safe spaces for our kids to thrive. So I hope that's given you know, people some, some hope or some insights into how that may look. And I would just say it's definitely not perfect <laughs> There's been many times where it's not perfect and um, there has been a lot of stuff that hasn't felt good amongst all the stuff that has felt good. So I don't want to paint this utopian picture of, you know, my teenagers just walk around full of light and love. There's still a lot of <laughs> there's still a lot of feelings. Going. <laughs> so, you know, that's not exactly how it all is. But, but there's more of the goodness than there is the stuff that feels uncomfortable and I think that's what we want to work towards.
0: Hmm. So he And to so one little last thing, which is I remember you are reminding me when I was about twenty eight I met um, a, a f- some a family and the son was like seventeen, and he was friendly and loving and warm and could talk about feelings and i 'd really never met a teenage boy like that growing up in the culture that i 'd grown up in. I was like wow it 's really possible, and I know that was that was for me like yep yeah, i <laughs> really see that there 's a possibility, and it 's so wonderful to get to see young people getting to to really stay connected with their lovingness and their connectedness and all of those yummy things in all humans.
1: Uh, That's so it. I think that is what I find, even when things feel a bit wobbly, and I I have this saying that I'm like, I sometimes go, okay, universe, just, give me a sign that my kids are on track or they're good, right? And then my, my child will just walk up to me and hug me and just embrace oh. me and I'll say something and I go, okay, <laughs> like we're all right. But I think that is exactly it, that it is possible to have kids that are really, you know, connected and kind and empathetic and, and can speak their truth. And, um, you know, I think that is definitely possible. And, um, yeah, I think the world needs way more of them. And that, that comes, I think, from, again, raising our kids where we're parenting, especially from when they're little. You're setting up the most magnificent foundation for kids to be able to know this in their cells of their being. And then they don't, the other stuff doesn't feel good for them, so they just have not do it because it feels so much better. Connection always feels better. It always feels the best. So they're always going to go to that if that's there as that foundation. And I just one more thing I want to say too. And even if you're coming to this later when your kids are teenagers, it is never too late. It is never too late to start responding with empathy and compassion and listening and, and doing the work. It's never ever ever too late. So even if you're coming in later and you're feeling like it's a lost cause, I would just I just want to say, you know, there is always that possibility. So looking into your work will definitely make a difference.
0: Mm. Mm, so yummy. What so, do you think? You
1: know, do you have an
0: offering for you i think i think you're the ones i you think you're the ones that you would say um um, um what, what would help you if you do have a teen already what what uh oh, do you have a charged phrase at the moment so you do you have a particular phrase that's really charged for you like they never or he won't or she won't um, and would you like to have a little compassionate listening to that or or someone listen to you because it it's probably from the past and possibly from your own younger years possibly teenage years
1: Mm, that's beautiful yeah and I think mine connected to that too would be around um if you think back to being a teenager what is it that you deeply needed and wanted and are you able to bring that not only to yourself but then to your teenager
0: Yeah, Mm, so yummy.
1: Oh, well, thank you for listening to me like rant about teenagers. (laughs) Not ranting, it's so
0: gorgeous. I could listen to you all day.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love them, they're so beautiful. And Um, you have
0: resources on this?
1: uh, Yes, so there's, I do have an aware parenting for tweens and teens. Um, um, online webinar course that you can do Yay. yes so that's on my webinar i'll put them into that that just goes a lot goes into a bit around sexuality and and raising tweens and teens and just all those kind of things so yeah i'll definitely post to that and um and i have it also an uh, web parenting immersion course which is also suitable for if you're raising teenagers because it really looks at all the imprints and stuff that we received as kids and as teens and then how that turns up in our lives now so i'll build that as well so thanks mary Mm,
0: so i recommend both of those and all of your work now you're amazing thank you for indulging me in my love <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> such a pleasure <laughs>
1: thank you everybody for being here yeah. and sharing we really appreciate you
0: thank yeah you. thank you so much love to you all
1: thanks for joining us on the aware parenting journey please follow us on facebook and instagram at the aware parenting podcast You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.